Hello and welcome to episode 223 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. Joining me as always is the robust League Freak. You can find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Pretty good, champion. How are you? Oh, not too bad. I'm getting a champ already. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> Get him in early. What's been going on? Uh, I'm, I've been arguing with Poms. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. As you do. Yeah, sometimes it happens. Sometimes it happens. Well, I'd like to say, I want to get this off my chest straight away, okay, before we get yeah. into the Rugby League talk. Yeah. Um, today was the first time since this whole coronavirus in Australia thing happened where public transport failed me. Oh, really? What happened? Well, see, usually what happens is, you know, since, since this lockdown's happened, okay, there's there's no reason for public transport to be late, and it hasn't been. Yeah. So I get off the train, I walk over to the bus stop, and the bus is there waiting for me. I get on the bus, and over the last three months, I've been the only person getting on that bus. Yeah. No one else gets on there in the afternoon, just me. So yep. it's like my own personal taxi. Nice. And today, the train was just two minutes late. And mm-hmm. I went, that's fine, because usually the bus will sit there for about three or four minutes, so I can still get there. And I, walk, I get off the bus, I walk over, and... My bus isn't there. Yeah. I was like, the fuck? Like, where is it? I, I'm not that late. It's still not due to leave for another two minutes. Mm-hmm. And they never leave early. It's public transport. It never leaves early. No. And then a, a message comes up on the big screen that says, um, your bus has been delayed. It will be here in seven minutes. So like, seven minutes, I can, I can swing that. That's fine. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Seven minutes passes. Still no bus. 10 minutes passes, no bus. 15 minutes passes, no bus. 23 minutes later, the bus rocks up. Yeah. Here he is. Here's the bus driver. He moseys on down. He's in no rush. You're only 23 (laughs) minutes late, mate, despite only having a a round trip that takes just 25 minutes to do in the bus. There's no traffic to contend with because everyone's locked down at home. Yeah. Hello, mate. He greets me. As if I enjoyed standing out in the cold drizzle. <laughs> sure, there's bus shelters, but the roof is about 25 metres high off the ground. It tilts upwards towards the sky, and the roof's only a metre wide. So as it rains, it provides zero shelter to anything except for the underside of the roof. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's completely <laughs> pointless. <laughs> so you sit there, you're, you're under this shelter. Mm. It's the height of optimism. Yeah. Because you're standing there going... This is not going to do anything for me. But for some reason, I'm standing there. Yeah. I don't know why. It's utter stupidity. But who am I to complain? Hi, I reply. I begrudgingly stroll on and take a seat. He strolls away very carefully. And I think, I should have just got a fucking taxi and got home earlier. (laughs) Yeah, 23 minutes. No fucking apology. Oh, really? No, I just... There you are, mate. Man. What the fuck is that about? Do you realise if you're the only one that got on the bus, it, it's kind of personal. It is very personal. That's why I'm pissed off about it. Yeah. It's like, dude, like we've got an arrangement. You know what time I get here. I've been doing it for the last six months. Yeah. I'm the only person you've got to worry about at this time of day. It's not mm-hmm. like it's a complicated system. Yeah, yeah. You know when I'll be there. You know when you have to be there. 
the fuck? I wonder what he was doing for 23 minutes. Hmm. Probably something to do with his pud. Yeah, probably eating pudding. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, that sucks. And so you got home late? Yeah. About half an hour later than usual. Yeah. Yeah, wasn't happy. Yeah, I can imagine. But anyways, I just need to get that off the chest. Yeah, that's fine. I need to have a little, need to have a little rant. Sometimes you've got a vent, you know. That's right. So um, now we'll get into the footy talk. We'll, there's a few... Look, it, it, there's been a little bit on this week. Yeah, just a few things happened. So let, let's let's start... Let's start here in Australia first, shall we? Yeah, yeah, let's do that, where it's important. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you heard. Yeah. Fox Sports, I think they may have mentioned it once during the weekend's footy. Um, Tavita Pangai was having an interview with them. Yeah, I actually watched it. Oh, you caught it? Yeah, yeah, it was riveting. See, I didn't get any... I only got told that Fox Sports had mentioned it. I missed it all, so I didn't get to see it. Yeah, Fox it was really cool watching like three football games on the Saturday um, in during the advert for their two-minute interview with Tavita Pangai Jr. It was fantastic. And uh, he was being interviewed by Mr. Personality, James Hooper. And it was just the blandest fucking interview as you can imagine. You know, uh, was Hooper yelling at him? Pretty much. Like, and like... <laughs> To, to be fair to James Hooper, he did ask him some um, some tough questions, but you would expect that out of James Hooper because he doesn't like rugby league players or coaches or uh, administrators or fans or the, or the rules or anything, really. Um, yes. But, but yeah, there was... In, in missing the Tavita Pangai interview, you didn't miss anything. The only thing that was interesting was that he hadn't been given his breach notice yet, which I thought was a little bit surprising, um, and that he hadn't officially been sacked yet. But news so, today... On, all, so all those articles from Fox Sports saying that he'd been sacked? Yeah, wrong. Oh, okay. All wrong. Yeah. Was there a retraction from Hooper? No. Let's move on. No, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> still, still waiting for the... You know, fucking Latron Mitchell's waiting for about 57 retractions from James Hooper. Yes. Um, but yeah, but today it's been revealed that Tavita Pangai Jr. is talking to the NRL Integrity Unit about third-party payments that he did not receive from the from the Broncos. So that could become a salary cap issue for the Broncos. The Broncos are denying all of that. But I found it interesting because he, while he was under contract with the Broncos, he called the owner of the Sydney Roosters, and of course it wasn't to play for the Roosters, it was just to ask some advice. And then the Roosters had to deny they wanted anything to do with him the following day. And then he went and he broke the COVID bubble. Uh, and then when asked by the Broncos about it, he admitted to breaking the COVID bubble multiple times. So they basically told him to go away and they're going to give him a breach notice. And then while he's waiting for his breach notice... He is talking to the integrity unit about possible salary cap breaches at the Broncos. And all I'm thinking in all of this is like, if I'm any NRL team, I don't want a damn bar of this dude. I want to keep as far away from this dude as possible. He's basically burning all of his bridges 
and any possible bridges in the future. Like, whoever's advising him needs to tell him to shut up. Yeah, man, he's, he's got a real issue with bridges, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, talk about stupid. Yeah, like, he, like, what's he doing? And that's on top of having his worst season, and he hasn't played too many seasons, but having his worst season of football to the point where he's gone from, like, one of the hottest young forwards in the game to, you know, you got you can't have him at your club. He's a liability. He really is. And it's not so much of the way he plays the game, but the fact that he just gets suspended and he's just, let, let's be honest, he, he's not the sharpest spoon in the drawer. Well, he can't be if he's doing all this. That's right. Like, who's, like if you'd have to be a, a dumb-as-fuck club to take him on board now. So it seems that while the Broncos look like they're going in the right direction by cutting ties with him, they actually haven't. No, not yet, but it. I think it's coming. I think okay. that they've... Obviously, the Broncos have had a lot of things they've got to deal with lately, and my guess is as long as he stays away... You know, the breach notice thing is just they'll get to it. So how much do you think the Tigers are going to pay him? It's a really good question. Um, And I wonder how many games he's going to play in the centres. I reckon he's going to play... I think the ratio is about one to three. Yeah. So for every game he plays at 5-8, he'll play three games at centre. Yeah, well, it seems like it's part of the contract for a back rower. Especially with the West Tigers. Yeah. Now, one other thing I was supposed to might sneak in there too is um, looks like Anthony Seabold is parting ways with the Broncos. Yeah, it was interesting to see on Twitter today. Um, Peter Bedell had either breaking news or exclusives, basically from the moment Anthony Seabold woke up this morning. What he had for breakfast, hit the time he arrived, what he did when he got there, who he was talking to. Breaking news, exclusive, breaking news, exclusive. Um, there were a bunch of them. Did you see a bunch of them chucked I out did. the thing of, he, he's cleaned out his, he cleaned out his desk. I, <laughs> I saw so one fun. saying that his, his office is intact. I think that came from Brent Reed, and I was like, like what did you expect him to do, turn up with an axe? Yeah, yeah, I saw that one. <laughs> I'm just going to burn this fucking joint to the ground. Yeah, uh, said, his office is intact. Wait, wait, you, you mob could sit there and make guesses about the fucking car that Latrell Mitchell drives. Mm. But on the other hand, you can go and check out and make sure all of his fucking Anthony Seabold's pens and fucking notepads and shit are all in the right pristine fucking order in their office. How do you put so much bloody attention into someone's fucking office stationery but not into what car a player drives for fuck's sake? Jesus Christ. It's so weird, hey? Um, the thing I found funny, and I was tempted to tweet it, but I didn't have time, was um, there was a tweet made earlier this morning from one of those journalists saying that the Broncos will confirm today, you know, that Anthony Seabold has been sacked. Mm. And come the end of the day, that hasn't happened yet. Yep. And I went, ha, typical. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of funny that, I, I, it's like sometimes I think journalists are sociopaths, right? So I don't think they understand how real life works. And real life, you don't turn up, chuck all your stuff in a box, and w- walk it out 
while the club goes and tells all the players that you've been sacked. Like life just doesn't work like that. No. And I think that they forget that sometimes, and they but they don't know that because they're all sociopaths. I think there's an awful lot of truth to that. Yeah. Um. So another movement is yeah. um. This talk that Josh Adokar is going to the West Tigers. Yeah, what do you think about this move? Because he's the best well, winger in the game, in my opinion. But do I don't you mind. Well, this is the thing, okay. I don't mind if he wants to come to the Tigers. I don't mind if the Tigers sign him. Yeah. But I know, I know deep down that the Tigers are going to offer him a shitload of money. Mm-hmm. And in order to justify paying a winger shitloads of money, they're going to try and make him into a fullback, which he isn't. Yeah. And this is going to be a failed experiment if they do that. Um, furthermore, I don't think any winger, I don't care how good they are, is worth any more than three hundred grand a year. And mm-hmm. I can see the Tigers giving him eight hundred. I really can. Um, the club doesn't need outside backs at the moment. What they need are, you know, consistent. Consistently reliable players in the halves. I'm going to say yeah. reliable. I, I don't just mean that they're going to play every week, but they're going to play good football every week. Mm-hmm. That's been a problem they've had since, yeah, 2012 onwards. Mm-hmm. If, if we're going to be somewhat generous to the club, yeah, um, they've got a makeshift fullback in Dewey. I don't think he's played too bad there, but I can see him moving to into the halves. Mm-hmm. Um, Brooks has been okay to reasonable for the entirety of his career. He's almost, I think he turns 27 this year. Um, yeah, he's just middle of the road at the moment. He yeah. Had one, he, had, he had a reasonable year a few years back, but, you know, being reasonable in a team that's shit is not a hard thing to do. Yep. Um, Jacob Little's come back, and look, he's, he's looked very good, but. He's not an 80-minute player, so they do need to buy another hooker because they're not going to have Harry Grant there next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that they definitely need to do, which they haven't got in place. And, yeah, look, the other thing is I saw an article from um, the Mole mm-hmm. saying that the, the West Tigers are looking at doing a clean-out at the end of the year. And I want to believe that. I don't know how they can afford to. Like, I know... Oh, I can't. I, if they do it, they're going to have to throw away an entire season to do it, yeah. but so be it. I, I, I don't mind if that happens. I don't mind if they even go through and get the spoon and get dicked by 60 points every week. If yeah. they clean out those players, because the West Hawks has got to be the only club at the moment where all of their most expensive players are all underperforming. Mm-hmm. They're either old or they're not earning their keep. Yeah. So... Um, nearly all of them have got to go. The, those top top earners, simple as that. Yeah, and and until that happens, like they're kind of just treading water. Yeah. And so yeah, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to just, you know, because I think Benji's going to retire. Um, and and just maybe use a little bit of the cap space he's freed up to pay out some of those players that have been hanging around that haven't been doing shit, but. You know, it, it, it's going to suck, but it's better than them being terrible for the next two or three years. That's right. I'd, I'd rather they just burn a year, 
and use that one year where they've you know taken a hit to the cap yeah. just to pay out these players. Um, and they can just bring through as many juniors as they want, get that depth sorted out, and then just make a few big-name signings the following year. They're going to have the cap space then to do it and, and lots of cap space to do it. Yeah. So... <clears throat> A you know, bit of pain on, before a bit of success, I guess. On, on Josh Adokar, I think that, uh, like, he's the last... I, I, I don't think that the West Tigers should be even thinking about getting a winger. Um, no, look, I wouldn't put it high up on the priorities list at all. No, nah, nah. and, and I think that if he goes to the right team, he is worth a lot of money, but it's got to be... It is seriously got to be the right team. It's got to be a team that's already pretty good and that you're looking for a finishing touch to it. And I, I look at the Parramatta Eels a little bit that way in that they went out and got Blake Ferguson, and it was kind of a finishing touch to the team they were mm. put together. Um, they were thinking that before Sevo uh, really kicked on, they were thinking of bringing back Rod Radra, and I think that uh, it was going to be for a lot of money, but if it's the finishing touch on a team and it's your wingers are important here. I don't have any problems with paying a winger a lot of money, but, you know, not for a team that's... I mean, the rebuilding is ahead of the Tigers right at the moment. Yeah. It's it's pretty crazy to be thinking about buying, you know, spending big money on a winger. Yeah. Um, they just don't need to be doing that. Because let's think, too, they've got Paul Momorowski coming back, and he can play on the wing as well. And he will be playing in the first grade team because... He can kick goals at better than 65% or whatever crappy number it is that Moses and Bob kicks at. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's going to be playing just because of that, but you know, also because he's a good player. So, yeah, I don't know. Mind you, at that rate, given that the Tigers are closely linked to him, there's no chance in hell he goes there because that just doesn't happen. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's they, who will I end up with? They'll, uh, oh, uh, just a potato will go and sigh someone else. I was joking with you the other night. I keep waiting for Matt Utah to run out again for the West Tigers. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll probably bring back Corey Thompson, I guess. <laughs> they'll pay, no, they'll pay, pay overs for it. They'll, they'll yeah. give Corey Thompson 450 grand a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it'll work. It's the hey, Dave, you've seen that the, the newspapers over the last 24 hours have been. Uh, pumping up the supposed grudge match between the Tigers and the Panthers that's coming up this weekend. And they, they're basically just running the same stories they have the last fucking year and a half whenever oh. these two teams play, and it's so boring. And it's just, it's the exact same stories. This is the thing, okay, I think the media wants this to be a grudge match more than the actual fans do. I think yeah. there's a small section of fans, and it's only Tigers fans, Um who see it as a grudge match because they just got the shits with Ivan Cleary. Mm. Um, I'm not one of them. Mm. Yeah. I don't give a shit if Ivan Cleary left the club. I generally don't because in my view, I think Michael Maguire is a better coach. Um, I mean, he's won a premiership, so that's hard to argue with. And to be honest, Bad we need... seasons or something. Yeah. But, you know, Ivan never won one. He just got tired. Yeah, that's all it was. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and the Tigers need to settle on a coach who has a proven track record and someone who yeah. they can get behind for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think even if Ivan had stayed for his four years, that he would have stayed on beyond that. 
I think he's just an interim coach until they find found who they're looking for anyway. So I I don't think that Ivan leaving earlier is any real big deal. The only problem we got with it is, yeah, he lumped the club with a bunch of shit players, but you know what? Most of the fans absolutely loved those signings when they came across when when Ivan made them. Yeah, it's just because Ivan left in you know unceremonious circumstances that everyone's now got the shits with every player he signed. Yeah. And, that's, and just, that's just called being um, bitter and salty. I just salty. don't. I just don't get into that territory. Yeah, it's just a waste of time at some point, hey. Well, yeah, because oh, you can't go around hanging hanging consistent failures on a coach who left a bit early, something like that. This club has been failing for years, mm-hmm. and it's had a ton of coaches. You know, so what the club needs to do more than anything is say, right, let's let's get a coach, a good coach with a proven track record and say, right, this team is now yours. You can stay here for as long as you need. Mm-hmm. We need you to make this team become a finalist and then eventually become a, a team that challenges for grand finals. Yeah. And we know that we are a long way away from that. So we're going to give you the time to get us there. But that's mm-hmm. got to be the end goal. They can't just keep trying to do a quick fix. And that's no. kind of what they did with, with Cleary in his second year there was, um, you know, here's the checkbook. Go and make yeah. us competitive. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny. I, I just realised that uh, today I was sent an article by Nadine and it was a, a little bit of the Ivan Cleary stuff. And there was a, and I can't, I don't know who wrote it, but there was a story in it about, it said that Michael Maguire was bringing West Tigers players in and he was saying to them like, oh, you know, what do you think of how things are going and and all that? And the idea was that they would tell him what they thought and that at the end of what they said, and he brought them in individually, by the way, but when they had finished what they said, he basically said, you haven't won a premiership. I have. You don't know what it takes to play finals footy. I do, so shut up and do what I tell you to do. And it was just another one of those scenarios, like, this didn't happen. (laughs) No, that sounds crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's that's nuts. I I wouldn't mind it if it happened, but there's no way no one did. No, no, it's it's. You don't build a team like that. (laughs) No, you don't build anything like that. No. That's that's like a fucking uh <laughs> it's like a scene out of the Mighty Ducks or something. <laughs> that's right. Um so another quick bit of news from from Australia before we head over to England. Yeah. Um Mitchell Orbison has has announced that he's retiring at the end of the year. Yeah, he got to three hundred games and that's it. Um What's your you best know. Mitchell Orbison memory? Uh when he he celebrated 300 games. There you go. That was impressive. Hey, there was some more news too that the it looks like the front runner for the Dragons job is um is Hook. He's gonna. They reckon that he's gonna be the one that gets the job. I tweeted out that I think that the uh, the Dragons deserve to give the dog uh, the job to Dean Young, and because I knew that would piss off Dragons fans. <laughs> I immediately got like. A bunch of uh, replies from Dragons fans. But it'll be interesting to see if they actually do give him the job to to Anthony Griffin. I think Anthony Griffin would be the perfect choice. 
Mm. But we know how the dragons love a, a, an old boy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I struggle to see how um, how they don't sign him, to be honest. i tell you, another thing I found interesting was um, a lot of people with the Brisbane job that's available, there's a big push right now to get Kevin Walters the job. Yes. And a lot of people are saying he deserves the job. And I'm like, who the fuck appoints a coach by deserving anything? Hang on, who deserves that shitstorm anyway? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a pretty bad, bad way of way. It's like pretty much like saying Kevin Walters is the shittiest human out there, so he deserves to become the coach of Brisbane, the shittiest know, team right? in the NRL at the moment. That's a horrible way to say it. It really is. But this this idea that like anybody should get a job out of sympathy is kind of hilarious, and like that's the sort of thinking that you got to avoid. I think with the because I've been thinking about this, the Broncos need an experienced coach. Outside of Wayne Bennett, they haven't had an experienced coach. And the best one that they had was Anthony Griffin, and they got rid of him, stabbed him in the back. But they need to go back to looking for an experienced coach and somebody that's going to be there to fix the mess. But they need to get rid of their CEO as well, at the bare minimum. Um, I would also look to... Hey? And bring in Ben Eichen. I would not bring in Ben Eichen. You know what? We've had a point this week, okay, mm-hmm. where the, the majority News Limited-owned club ran a bunch of stories about Anthony Griffin saying he should take a payout from the Broncos, okay? They're the biggest shareholder of the Broncos. They also said that their employees in Kevin Walters and their employee in Ben Eichen should be the coach and the CEO. And then when people started getting on their case about them being the biggest shareholder, putting pressure on um, on on Seabold to stand down, all of a sudden this guy comes out of nowhere who owns shares in the club and, and says some really horrible shit about Seabold and takes all the pressure off. And that just so happened to be running in the News Limited publications. It's been a really weird week. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say all of that, actually. I just thought, that's how you spell agenda. Yeah, it really oh, is. That, that's... I'll tell you what, it's interesting seeing um, the one media outlet that has always protected the Broncos turning on them. Yeah. Like, they've been in the Broncos' you know, back pocket since what, 1992 or something like that. They were they were backing the Broncos for the whole Super League thing. Mm-hmm. And they protected them all those years. And this year's the first time we've seen the you know, News Limited turn on the club. And Do I you think rec- something Sorry. about them went, oh, hang on, this doesn't feel right. Let's get someone to call them a cancer and, and take the pressure off a bit and get someone else in trouble. Yeah. That's and what, trying to that's shift blame a little. Yeah. And it worked. To be fair, it worked. Yep. Yep, certainly did. They're good at this. They really are. A lot of I mean, experience. We're going to it, but they do it through... You see it all the time in the media when they're protecting their, their political interests. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they've got a way of, of getting someone to, to come up with some bullshit to take pressure off their political interests and everyone forgets about the drama and moves on to hating on someone else. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, let's have a look over in England. You know what? I'm going to save the best one for last. Okay. So, um, the owner of the whole KR has decided to to leave the club after was it twelve years there? Yeah, he's basically said, "Look, I've poured a lot of money into the club." Not not really happy with the direction things are all going in with the sport in general, so he's going to leave at the end of the year. Um, you know he's been there and he's he's helped Hokar get back into Super League at one point. Uh, so now you've got two of the Super League clubs need to find new owners going into next year. That's always a really good sign. Um, yep. You know, but there is good news. There's good news? Yeah. Free pizza, bruh. Yeah. Now, we, we mentioned this story in the last episode, and we thought it was uh, ridiculous that they were doing this deal where they got a million pounds, and in mm. returns, the uh, the Super League got free pizza. Yeah. Turns out that actually would have been a good arrangement compared to what actually does happen, and that is the Super League gets free pizza, and in return, they give free advertising, and there's no fucking money involved in this process whatsoever. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, Stobart all over again, but with pizza. But with pizza, yeah. Does professional sport really need money at this point in time? Really? When when you and this is what's what's great about it is we had possibly the greatest ever expansion opportunity in Toronto. Yeah. Needing what a quarter of a million pounds. Yep. Um, and the game wouldn't give them the money. Mm-hmm. And you think maybe the game doesn't have the money, and then. Literally days after that happened, Super League comes out with this idea to try and coax the League One and Championship teams into playing football this year by putting up £400,000 worth of prize money for them to play in a competition, which yeah. hardly anyone wants to be a part of. Yep. Then we but- get this free pizza deal comes up, uh, and while everyone's sort of talking about that, whole Kayara owner pulls out and says, I can't do this shit no more. Yeah. When are they going to realise that they need fucking money in the game, not slices of fucking pepperoni pizza? Yeah. I I can't believe... I think this is... I think this might be the tipping point for English Rugby League. I think that... uh, You know, we've had points where I thought that we were heading towards financial Armageddon, and this might actually be that point. This might be all the warning signs going off where, you know, now you've got two of the teams don't have owners going into next year. They're giving away advertising, like literally giving it away and at, pretending that they're going to, you know, after every game in the dressing rooms, it's going to be like an under sevens game where everyone has a pizza party after the match is fucking ridiculous. Um, we know that the, the fat pigs that run the sport will get their feet out of it. They love having their nose in the trough. And, yeah, it, it's a shambles. And, like, you know, I, there's so many things wrong in the English game right now. It's hard to know where to start. Like, you could list literally 20 or 30 things that need fixed in the English game and not even get to the bottom of it, of what you need to do. It's, I don't know where they go. It, it just seems like a lost course for me. And I wouldn't be shocked if in... If within three years' time, if Super League semi-professional, yeah, it's it's just this is just ludicrous. Okay, and this is a problem I had is 
that Stobart deal, mm-hmm. the problem it had is it it's it sets the bar at a certain level. Yeah. Right. So every negotiation is based on what happened with your last negotiation. Yeah. That's just how business works. Yeah. So you know when the NRL goes to negotiate its next TV rights deal, they know that a billion dollars for you know, three or four years, whatever it is, that's pretty much their that's their bar. That's that's what they're working on is around that figure. Mm-hmm. When you go to the negotiating table after that Stobart deal, every business you talk with goes. Right, so what are you going to give us, considering that we're not going to give you any money because you do free deals for people? Yeah. You've got, you've got absolutely zero leverage. Yeah. You've and got, and it's, yeah. it's not like they don't rate on TV. Like, the games actually rate pretty well on TV. Mm. There's decent enough numbers there that this advertising space space is actually worth something and it's worth more than you know free pizzas and garlic bread it's and this is going to plague them but they they need to get proper business-minded humans in there and i i i seriously i'm i'm serious to say they need to get former nrl boss dave smith there someone with some business clout to get in and says look I'm going to help you get a TV deal, a proper long-term sponsor that actually pays money and set your business up so it runs like an actual business and not this Mickey Mouse operation that it's been running. And once I've done that, I'll walk away. And he's only going to need three years. But the problem is I think someone like Dave Smith goes in and says straight away, I need to move three of these clubs to cities and they're going to hate that. They'll absolutely hate that but it's literally something like that that needs to happen immediately um, because that this being based in small towns just doesn't cut it. It's 2020, you know, it's not the sixties anymore. You know what they should do? What? This is an idea I've been trying to figure out the mechanics of for the last you know few days. Yeah. They should somehow work out some sort of arrangement with Premier League, the soccer. Yeah. And if, Affiliate the rugby league with the soccer competition. They're never going to be bigger than soccer in England. Never. No, no. So stop trying to fight it. Work with it. You know, promote but the game via the, via the soccer. The soccer can promote rugby league and vice versa. It looks like the, it's a good, a good deal, but in the end, it's rugby league getting all the benefit out of it. Yeah, but this is the thing. If you're soccer, why would you even think about that? Like, say, rugby league comes to you in England and Free says, pizza. hey, yeah, for free pizza, exactly. <laughs> Wouldn't you want some garlic bread? <laughs> um, maybe no, a couple of lava cakes to push it over the edge. That deal, yeah. but uh, no, but you, yeah, right. That's that's the bit I'm having trouble with. Is trying to figure out yeah. how to make it something that soccer is going to be, want to be a part of. Yeah, and well, right now English people don't like English rugby league. Like, no. it's not relevant to the vast majority of England. And the problem is when you try and point out to a lot of English fans that rugby league isn't relevant to most English people. They get really upset and it doesn't compute with them that there needs to be a change because you can't like, and I've said this for years and years and years now, even the biggest clubs in the sport over there, if their owners decide to stop tipping in money, the biggest teams are loss making ventures, all of them. And we saw that with the Bradford Bulls. 
You know, the Bradford Bulls should have been the sign to everyone that, hey, you can win absolutely everything and be the biggest club in the sport over there and five years later basically don't exist. But they don't take those lessons on board. And I think the first thing you'll do, if you stepped in and were going to take over the running of Super League, I would drop the salary cap by half. I would make the competition actually be something that is sustainable financially first. And then I would look to get into cities, whether that's about moving teams or cutting teams and starting up new ones, um, bringing in a draft to to get players into those new clubs. I think that that's the minimum you've got to do. And that's drastic. I understand that's massively drastic. But that's day one you've got to put that in place. Let's be and, honest. I mean, the, the salary caps, it, it's a farce over there anyway because all it does is it throttles the two or three big teams there. Until the Super League's actually paying the wages of the players. The salary cap is completely pointless there because the teams struggle or struggle to ha- will struggle to have the money to pay the same amount of salaries as St. Helens or Wigan can. Yeah, but the, at the same time, like, the way that it works over there is that, and I, I think I saw Steve Mascord talking about this on Twitter a couple of days ago, where basically you come into Super League with these other clubs in the hope that you then move on to the bigger clubs in Super League. Like, that's the goal. It's not like a team likes, and I'll just pick a team out of, say, uh, Salford. You look at yeah. Salford, right? They they start to put together a team, they start going well and stuff like that, and they just get gutted by a big club. And that happens, that's happened for forever in English Rugby League. And, you know, this salary cap is not only there to stop clubs spending themselves to death, which it doesn't really do a good job of anyway, but it's also there to try and even the, the competition out a little bit, which it doesn't really do well either. And that's because they don't really police the salary cap very well. And, you know, you've got the bigger clubs really have the ability to make sure they get who they want. And the smaller clubs are all just trying to do their best to survive and not get relegated. And it's just a terrible system. I agree. Um, and we've been opposed to this whole promotion relegation system. Um, I've got a bit of an idea, though, that could allow the Pommies to have their beloved promotion relegation system. That is, only have it work every... Um, have have teams promoted and relegated like once every three years or two years or something like that. Like, don't have it every year. Yeah. And so give every team an opportunity to get in, um, find out where they need to improve, and then have one at least one or two seasons where they make roster changes, they make structure changes to try and be a stronger, better outfit and competitive. And if they still struggle after those two or three years, then fine. They don't deserve to be in the Super League. They can be they can be uh, relegated then. Mm-hmm. Um, it also means that the team that gets promoted doesn't do it because they, you know, stocked up on good players for one year to just get into the top the top division. Yeah. They've actually got to earn it. They've actually got to be the best team in second division for two or three years. Yeah. Then they move up. Um, Wouldn't be the I worst think, idea, that's for sure. I think that's going to be a better... Another thing about it is uh, it's going to be easier to get TV deals in place because there's a lot more stability in the competition. Yep. So TV knows you know, which teams are going to be in there. 
you can make TV deals around the cycle. So if it's three years, do a TV deal for three years. You can renegotiate when you do your next promotion and relegation. This is where our new markets will be. This is where the markets that we're losing, blah, 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 blah. And you can negotiate based on that. Um, and I generally think, too, the Super League has too few teams in it. See, I if don't know that... If, if they want to have a good, sorry, if they want to have a good um, TV rights deal and they <clears> want to attract genuine sponsorship money, not just free fucking food, um, they need to have more teams in there, I think, as simple as that. It doesn't have to be 20 teams, but I think, you know, 14 should be the bare minimum, not 12. I just don't think they've got the talent for that, though. They don't, but they, they're going to have to have a bigger competition to try and get more people with more eyes on the on the players to try and, you know, if you keep shrinking the competition, you're going to end up having nothing. You're going to end up with a bloody six-team competition in Super League. I mean, what's the point of it? What's 12, 12 teams are stupid. But here's the thing, right? Of, of the teams we still have remaining in Super League, only three of them have won the title since 1996 when it all kicked off. And one of them died. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like we've got a competition that's this vibrant, like all these teams are winning competitions anyway. It You can make a real case for the fact that for the next 10 years, you can pick who's going to win. If you pick Wigan, Leeds and St. Helens for the next 10 years to win the premiership, there's a 99% certainty that you're going to be right yep. just based on the history of Super League. I like and look, I agree with you. Having twelve teams is not enough, you know. But at the same time, I they definitely don't have the talent for as many teams as they've got now. I think that's one of the good things about if you bring in a team like Toulouse, where you're at least bringing in from a different player pool. You know, that's something. Yeah. Um, but like, there's. And, and this is the problem when you talk about all the problems that English Rugby League has, is that you go down one pathway, which goes down another one, which goes down another one, and it's like all of it needs fixed. Like every single level of it, financially, on the field, off the field, everything needs fixed. And the people in charge of the sport over there are a bunch of dummies. They've killed the game. They're giving away advertising advertising space for fast food and then promoting it like we're a bunch of bloody school kids that should be happy with pizza vouchers. It's a fucking disgrace. It's not. And I made this point, you know, on, on Twitter and that was just over thirty years ago, the elite players in Australia would go over to England and they would be the only ones who would get over there to play in the top division. And they would get paid better playing English rugby league than they would playing in the uh, in the Sydney competition because the money was there. Yeah, you, know, you used to hear about you know the highest paid players in the game up until the nineteen nineties, and all those deals were done by English players. You remember Ellery Hanley, Martin Offier, mm-hmm. um, Gary Schofield, the like. They were the ones who were getting all of these huge transfer fees and huge salaries, and it was all in England. And now. Players don't even have um, certainty that they're going to get paid. Yeah, and the the other thing you're seeing at the moment too is, you know, young English players, not even superstars, just youngsters that are like, could be okay 
instead of saying, well, I'm going to go into Super League, they're saying, I am better off going and playing like New South Wales and Queensland Cup and working my way into a first-grade team, hopefully, over in Australia, because I'll earn more money being like a in a in a thirty man squad. Yeah, and that that's the big problem is now English players are now saying the English game is broken. I don't want to be in this. I'd rather play over in Australia. And they're going all the way around the other side of the world to essentially get job security, pay security, um, and play in play better football. Yeah, well, you look at someone like Herbie Farnsworth at the Broncos, right? Mm. He's okay. It's not bad. You know, nothing to write home about. He might have a good first-grade career. He might not. But the experience he's having right now, being part of, and he, like you got to remember, he would be part of their extended squad. He's in their team now because they've got a lot of injuries. Um, the experience he has now, the lifestyle he's living now, and the like, I mean, even if he's on the bare minimum, like low, uh, the uh, what's it called, the minimum wage for an yeah. NRL player, if he's getting all that, it's a well ahead of where he would have been in Super League. Yep, absolutely. Oh, and um, his salary is, is guaranteed by the league as well. That's right. No he doesn't one, need to. Everyone doesn't wash their hands of it like it's not their problem, which is a disgrace in itself. That's right. You know, and the the game just abandons all the players. That's the other thing too that, that England rugby league needs, you know, in a very very urgent manner is they need a players union. Oh, one hundred percent. They should have gone on strike. You know, I I think they should have gone on strike when the Toronto players didn't get exactly. paid. Exactly. Uh, and they they should have said we're not coming. Look, you want to restart the competition? You're not starting it with us until all these dudes that are getting eviction notices. And being told that they, their visas don't count anymore because they're not actually a professional rugby league player because they're not getting paid. We're not playing until those guys are sorted out. And I think it was pretty slack that the players didn't give a shit and let those Toronto players, they left them out there in the cold. I thought that was really weak. I think the the for the most part, I think the players were probably on the side of the Toronto players, but clubs... Other Super League clubs certainly didn't give a shit because they went, if we just sit there and let Toronto fold, we can just pick over their bones and take the players that we want in our teams. And that started to happen. And, you know, the ironic thing was that one of the uh, people that didn't like Toronto being in the comp was Hokeyar's owner. And then a few <laughs> weeks later, he comes out and he's like, man, I'm out. I can't keep doing this. Can't keep pouring money into this. And, look, I, I can't fault him for saying that because at some point, like... The, the competition has to be sustainable, financially sustainable, and it really does. They need to half their salary cap. They need to expand the competition into cities. They need to start looking to attract money for their advertising rather than fucking pizza, pizza vouchers. Uh, everyone at Super League HQ should be fired, all of them. It's you atrocious. Know? And the, this it is the really first thing is. that they need to work on to say, right, first things first. They need to make sure that every single player will get paid their full salary. And the only way to do that is that the Super League gets the money via TV rights deals and sponsorship, and they give chunks of money to each club and say, right, this is your salary. Yeah. That's your salary cap. 
You have to pay players with that money. You cannot use it for anything else within the club that is just for player salaries. That mm-hmm. allows the clubs to do whatever the hell they want with managing their, their club. Yep. They don't have to worry about um, player salaries. That in itself should stop a lot of these clubs going under, struggling, whatever it else, that shores up players' um, financial security there, mm-hmm. which then, that, that then is an attraction for players to go there. That would stop players leaving England to play in Australia. And that would be a huge help in getting the English game back on its feet because it would have its own players, its own stars playing in, playing in their own country, playing in their own competition instead of heading over to Australia. You know, that's that's where it all comes back to. And that is why this free pizza deal is so absurdly stupid because it's done nothing for the players. Not a damn thing. Not a damn thing. It's done nothing for the clubs. It's not given anyone any security whatsoever. It is just... It's just fucking stupid. It really is. And, man, I mean, the play... Like, I don't know how the players don't have a union yet. Um, it, it's... They should be on strike. They should be on strike straight away. But they could have been on strike many times before over many years when a bunch of them have not been played, paid before and it just doesn't happen. And it's just a decline. It's a slow decline. Like, and we've seen English rugby league on this decline from really the late seventies being generous and it's kept going downhill ever since. And it, it's not it accelerated. Stopping. It accelerated like crazy in the nineties. It, it really did. Yeah. It, it yeah. just went stupid in the 90s. Like they went from being, um, you know, having the highest paid players in the world to just this absolute basket case. And now, how do you even, how do you even start negotiating the next deal for money for them? I don't know. I, I really don't know because, man, if I was a company even negotiating with a club going forward, I would say... The competition doesn't need money. Why should I give you money? Yeah. You know, you're, 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 why should I give Wakefield or Castlefoot or something money when you can just, you know, barter something with them? It's it's nuts. And I think the, the last thing about it too is the, the way the Super League treated Toronto. It, it shows you too that the governing body will not help clubs. It, no. won't, it won't support them. So... No. That sends a horrible message to any prospective uh, private owners. Look, yeah, if I wh- get into some sort of drama here, I know that the the game itself is going to do fucking nothing to help me out in this club out. So it becomes all risk. Yeah, for what re- and for what reward? Yeah, you know, unless you own St. Allen's, Leeds, or Wigan, what's your reward? Uh, just. Private ownership in in England rugby league is absurd, but the whole like the whole structure is. Yeah, it just needs it. You could literally, it, it you know when the when the COVID break come along, there was a chance for them to say, all right, let's look at what we've been doing, let's see what we've been doing wrong, and we can literally have a complete reset of the entire system. They could have said, we're going to restart a competition that's going to be an invitational for the rest of the year. 
We're going to invite these clubs to come along and play a part. And they just, all they did was said, look, let's get the old competition up and running. We don't care about Toronto anymore. Uh, let's do a deal for some free pizza. And, and get rid of scrums. And, yeah, and get rid of scrums, exactly. <laughs> and that's been their bright ideas. And, like, I've I've had people say to me, why doesn't the NRL invest in it over there? And, and I've tried to explain to people, it's a gigantic loss maker, which you get no rewards out of. Like, yeah. it is, like, and that's where they're, they're going to really struggle to find anybody to invest on any level, whether it be club ownership, private equity, uh, sponsorship deals. It's just a mess. There's only two... Well, let's, let's be honest. Okay. There's, there's three long-term futures there for, for rugby league in, in England. That is, one, they eventually get some decent management to get some money in there. Not a lot, but enough to keep it chugging along as it currently is. Um, two, it goes completely bust, and the NRL jumps in, and they run it. Or three, someone in France decides to make a rebel competition, kind of like the Super League war we had here, mm-hmm. but the English rugby league cannot fight it, and they capitulate, and they let a French conglomerate take over the running of Super League. Yeah, and I've, I mean, I've talked about it a little bit before on the podcast. I kind of think the last option is what I would like to see. Can you imagine if the French rugby league said to Toronto, "Hey, why don't you come and play in our competition?" Mm. You know, it, th- we've got the what's the Euro 13s there. I know they're at a very different level, but at least they're looking to try something, um, and they're looking to do it on an expansive scale. I think something like that could work. It's going to obviously start at a very low level, but, you know, just say the French Rugby League said, Catalan Dragons come back into the frame. We've already got Toulouse that we could have in the frame. What if we bring in Toronto, we bring in a couple of teams from other countries and we ask London if they want to be part of what we're doing? That would be an exciting competition. Yeah, I mean, they'll probably even get most of the Northern English teams in there. If they can offer, like, a, a basic simple system whereby they get enough TV rights money to pay all the players' salaries, that's pretty hard for a non-St. Helens, Leeds or Wiggins team to turn down. And look, the only thing that... The only thing that English Rugby League has gone for it is they still get eyeballs on Sky, and, man, it's not an insignificant audience. No, but, I mean, this is the thing. If you have a decent competition startup in France and it involves most of teams that you already know of in this current Super League, yeah, you can be sure as shit that Rupert Murdoch's going to put that on TV. Oh, yeah, 100%. And so you're going to get the TV rights deal that you want, and they're still going to get that audience. And and here's the thing, and... and... Look, we're not English Rugby League fans, obviously, but I would be way more interested in watching some French Rugby League competition that had St. Helens, Leeds and Wigan in it and the London Broncos than I am to watch a lot of Super League teams. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I, I don't mind English Rugby League. I just want to see it competitive and strong because for me... If, if English Rugby League is doing its job 
and it's strong and it's it's functioning well and it's a competitive competition, then they are then able to help push to make Wales, Ireland, Scotland, France, and then all these other European nations become bigger and better as well. And that makes rugby league around all of Europe stronger. And that then leads into rugby league growing and improving around the world. The problem is they're so fucking insular. Like we've got the the English bloody coach who's come Which out I was and said just about to get to actually yes yeah or well, he's come out and okay you you bring it in bring uh, us in Sh- Sean Wayne has come out this week and he said he wants England to bring back their um, international origin game about against the Exiles. Which was a roaring success. Well, they and played this... four. They played four games over what two or three years? Three years: 2011, 2012, 2013. And in twenty eleven, England beat the Exiles. In twenty twelve, they played two games and they won one each. In twenty thirteen, the Exiles won the only game there, so they ended up playing four games. The Exiles won two, and England won two. And you know, you watch them games, and it was just, man, it was the most bland shit you've ever seen in your life. Because who's like the reason anybody's cheering for the exiles is because you think it's funny that they this team of blow-ins is going to beat the English side, um, you know, it, it, and the idea that England is too good to play Wales or Scotland or Ireland or France is it's insular, it's it really is. insular, and it's it's very selfish. Mm-hmm. It does nothing for the international game whatsoever. And they don't realise that by improving those nations that are around them, who are all contributing pretty much all of their international players to the Super League, they could actually be helping the Super League itself and the quality of it if they played international games against one another. Um, they used to have a European Cup competition, and mm-hmm. it was England, Wales, and France. I mean, they could chuck in Ireland and Scotland and Wales in there, and that could be something they did at the end of every year. Of five nations from from that area, but they that literally was... say to you, like when you when you try and bring this up, the two things they say is this: How's it going to help England to beat these teams by forty points? And if it's so important to do, why doesn't Australia do something to pl- for international rugby league? And it's like, first of all, English rugby league is not that good, and second of all, at the at the amount of work that Australia has done to help build rugby league in the Southern Hemisphere is amazing. Let alone the fact that we went over to England basically every year for a decade to help them get out of the debts that they accrued because of the 2000 World Cup. It's evident just by looking at the Great Britain tour last year, Mm. how far the game of the Pacific has come. Every single player in those teams, except for the PNG team, were all NRL players. Yeah. And the PNG team did have a few uh, NRL players, had a few championship players, I think maybe a few Super League players, a few League One players. They had uh, a lot of players from the, the Queensland Cup side. The yep. the what are they called? The Is that the Port Moresby's of Vipers or something like that? I feel I like, remember. yeah, is it the Vipers? I can't remember. The Hunters, the Hunters. The Hunters, that's it, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're all involved in the Australian competition or the English one. Yeah. Um, and England couldn't, or Great Britain couldn't compete with any of them. No. Um, so, 
that's why England needs to be playing against France, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, because that's their level at the moment, unfortunately. They 100%. should be better than that. They should yep. be better than that. Absolutely, they should be. But they need to get their shit together before they start trying to be competitive with the South, you know, the Pacific teams in the uh, Southern Hemisphere. Because they proved last year that they aren't on the same level. They're not on the yep. same level as PNG. Yeah, 100%. That is where they're at. So, yeah, they, that's why they need to play against France. That's why they need to play against Wales and Ireland and Scotland. Um, and it, the idea that they're going to... The, that playing, forget playing these nations because they're above playing France. They're above playing Scotland. Why don't they put together a bunch of old Australians and Kiwis and play a game against them in fucking Leeds? Like, it's just pathetic thinking. It's such small-minded thinking. Look, if they want to play their version of State of Origin, because that's kind of what this is about, and that's what they'll liken it to. Is, oh, but Australia has State of Origin. Okay. Then why doesn't England bring back the War of the Roses? If that's yeah, what they want, something. if that's what they want, Yorkshire versus Lancashire. You did it for years as a selection process for the test team. Bring it back. That can be your origin, and then you can have England playing against France and whoever else. That's the structure you should be having in place. Not just England playing against a bunch of also-rands that don't play for England. You know the funny thing about when they did bring that Yorkshire versus Lancashire game back? People in Yorkshire and Lancashire didn't give a shit. That's because they didn't put the top-line players in it, didn't they? It was just, wasn't it all just championship and League One players? No, I'm pretty sure they did use the top-of-the-line top, line, top of the line players. But it's like, it's just an old thing. It's Yeah, but I mean, it's not like England versus Exiles is going to be like it was drawing anything really that much different. I agree with you 100%. But I, I think that, like, if they want an Origin series of their own, do that. I agree with you, right? But if they want to get ready for the World Cup, they need to make sure that they're playing well against the teams that they need to be able to beat. They need to ex- they need to expose themselves to more international competition and they need to do it on a regular basis and they're in an like an enviable position in that they can play a lot of these teams and get there by bus, you know? Yeah. I mean, the furthest they have to travel to is France and that's not very far. Um you know, and the fact that they just think they're above that, it's disgusting to me. Oh, absolutely it is. And look, France France aren't, aren't exactly getting flogged by England all the time anymore either. No. I mean, they may not be competitive, but, you know, I think the last few results were like 40-something to 6, 30-something to 6. It's not like it's it was in the early 90s where they were losing 70 to 6 and 80 to 6 and stuff like that. The other thing is, too, like, if that's the marker, if you stop playing against teams because you're flogging them, Australia would have stopped playing Great Britain a long time ago. Yeah. They need to stop thinking that they're so fucking important. That's what the problem is. They've got this massive ego over there. They think their shit doesn't stink for some reason. What do you think will happen to them? (laughs) What do you think will happen to them and this mindset that... We need to play against stronger opposition than France. Given that they lost to Papua New Guinea, 
imagine what would happen there if France beats them in a game. Because I can tell you what would happen. They go, oh yeah, but it wasn't official. It wasn't official game, so we weren't taking it serious. Or they didn't have their NRL players that day. <laughs> you know, yeah, we didn't have Lachlan Coot playing. <laughs> it, it, Blake, Blake Austin wasn't there. There is always an excuse, one hundred percent of the time. They will come up with an excuse, yeah, just like they did. Now they have Wayne Bennett as coach, and yeah, you know what? I didn't think he was going to be a good idea because he wasn't. He didn't have his eyeballs on the on the English rugby league the whole time to be able to say, yeah, I've picked the best players available. I don't think his his selection process was all that great, but. You can't tell me Sean Wayne's a better coach. No, he's just not. Even, even even Wayne Bennett, he's just going by you know what he might read in a newspaper once a month. <laughs> I, yeah. I just think he'd be able to get more out of players than what Sean Wayne would. I, I don't know. I, I just think this exiles idea. It's it's got a bigger chance of coming back and biting them on the ass because beating a team that spends. What a week together! That's all and they'll that, do. That, that's their pro, that's the you know the the lead up. I guess the preparation is one week working together, and that's it. And beating a team that has that little preparation and nothing to play for. How is that any better than beating France? That's got you know a reputation and, and honor. And, you know they and they want to win. Mm-hmm. And the result actually means something to France if they when they play against England, whereas the Exiles, the result means fucking nothing to them. And knowing that they're just a trial run for the English team, there's nothing to play for in that game. Absolutely mm-hmm. nothing. But you could have a, a two-match series against France or put them in the European Cup. There's a fucking trophy involved. People will play for that. You, know, you play for honour for your nation, that sort of thing. There's something a bit more on the line there. I, I just don't... I don't understand this desire to bring back the exiles. I thought it was a an absurd idea when they first brought it in. And the fact that England struggled to be competitive with them proved just how bad an idea it was and how bad England was at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think we can both agree, and I think it'd be hard to argue against, that England have got worse since they last played the exiles. Oh, 100%. 100%. And I don't think the the Exiles team is going to have got worse. Um, I'd have to look through who you'd pick in the Exiles <coughs> team. Because, you know, some of the stars that would be in the Exiles team, they they decided to make them English anyway. You know, they said, oh, yeah, Jackson Hastings, English. Blake Austin, English. They got a, a Welsh rugby league player they decided was English last week. Is I can't remember who it was, to be honest with you. But it's just, I, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of ego going on with that. And look, if I was if I was running the English rugby league team, my thought would be we need to get the likes of Samoa, Tonga, Fiji. We need to get those teams over here and play as many games as we can against them between now and the start of the World Cup. Because they're the teams they've got to beat. Yeah. And they're the teams they're behind. Yep. They even need to get P&G over. 
PNG, yeah. And because I don't think that they realise that, I mean, that, there's so many players in the NRL that play for these Pacific Islands teams. Like Stephen Crichton's Samoan. He was born there, you know. He'd be, yep. he'd be the best English centre in generations if he was English. And they won't even have any idea who he is. And he's going to absolutely annihilate some poor pommy centre in the near future. And they're not even going to realise that that's what they're up against. Yeah. And this is the thing. I mean, if English people want to come out and say that, you know, Australia's not doing anything for international rugby league, just have a look at the number of Pacific nations um, that are being represented in the NRL. Because the number is huge. Oh, it's ridiculous. It is huge. Um, so, and they're not crazy. just they're not just taking part. It's like no, they're the like game's best players. Kickow is like a monster who's Tom throwing. Lolo. Yeah, Talmalolo, Crichton, Coruscant, Fijian. Like they're just, and this is the thing. I I honestly believe that collectively English rugby league doesn't even know that the the monsters are out there. And the thing that really worries me is that if the 2021 World Cup does go ahead, England's going to pump themselves up and they're going to get absolutely annihilated by almost everyone they play. What happens when England stops being an automatic selection for the World Cup? This is, I mean, it's not something that's at risk right now because the system is set up so that Australia, England, New Zealand automatically go through all the all the time. Yeah. But there's going to come a point where Tonga, Samoa, Fiji, Papua New Guinea are going to be regularly as good as, if not better, than England. Mm-hmm. You're going to... There's going to have to be a question being made at some point where the game's going to say... We can't have England automatically going in when they keep losing to these teams who have to qualify. Yeah. How's that a fair system? I would even suggest that the likes of the Cook Islands on a good day would go bloody close to beating England. We'll put it this way, okay. Given that Valentine Holmes hasn't had a great season, he's been injured, Mm -hmm. which hasn't helped. Mm -hmm. But he does... He does qualify to play for the Cook Islands. Does Chance? A, I think Chance Nickel Clogstad might as well. Correct. Yeah. That's a pretty solid pair to put into mm-hmm. an international side. Mm-hmm. And that's just two players that haven't played for the Cook Islands before, I don't think, um, that you can just chuck straight on in. Bam, there's a fullback. You could probably get away with putting Holmes at 5 eighth, or if you need to, just put him on the wing. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, he could play at six in, in that sort of capacity. I'd have no doubt about that. Um, that's that's pretty handy, and they've got they've got a pretty decent forward pack. So it's you know, it, it, all well, of a sudden England's now competing with you know they've now got to play against the Cook Islands as well. And, and look, I had a lot of English fans saying to me, right, it, if England isn't around, that's going to be terrible for Australia. And I, I really couldn't get it across that I don't think it would make any difference really to Australia because there's this absolutely incredible, vibrant, 
international competition where like I when I think about the 2021 World Cup the thing that I think about is can we beat Tonga I think we can but damn it's going to be difficult and you know New Zealand that they're a bit you know off a lot of the time but every so often they pull it together so they're going to be competitive uh, the Fijians in the NRL are like they're playing like superheroes at the moment like it's a little bit scary they're and the- then I a lot of Samoan players are playing really well as well. And like, say, I'm, like, not, I'm not PG thinking and PNG are, are two teams which are just they are so exciting to watch. Like PNG just play at 100 miles an hour and Fiji yeah. just throw the ball around with, with Gay Ben and they just go nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are just so much fun to watch. And they are a huge threat because of the way they play. And they're playing a different style. Like Every other team's playing some form of NRL football. But Fiji and PNG, are, they play something different. And it, it threatens the NRL style of footy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they're going to be huge, huge threats. Yeah, and you, but, like I think of uh, the thing about Fiji too is if they if they do get into a game, even against Australia, if they get into a game against Australia and they just hook it up on the day, they've got the ability to beat Australia. There's no doubt about that. To, uh, Tonga just flat out beat Australia. Like there was no... Last year, there was no uh, any... It wasn't like you could point to anything. They just... Tonga beat Australia. That mm-hmm. was it. They're the best team in the world. Um, the Kiwis, as said, you don't know what they're going to do. PNG is never easy to play against, ever. It's so no. exciting. And you could have... I mean, if you were playing just a Pacific competition with all of these teams involved in it, man, it would be incredible. It would be the premier competition. It would be... It would have better football than what the World Cup will have. Yeah. And England needs to take responsibility for what they've done to themselves. Instead of mm-hmm. trying to find excuses or trying to blame someone else, they need to start holding the mirror up to themselves and say, we've caused what we've done to ourselves. We've been doing it for 40-odd years. Something needs to change. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing they don't do. They don't do change. No. I don't know why they stick with relegation and promotion. Is it just because they want to try and copy soccer because it works for them? I don't know. But it's a stupid system and they need to get rid of it. They won't do it though. Oh, if you're not good enough, you shouldn't be in there. Well, the reason why they're not good enough is because they can't compete financially because they only get one crack at it and it's a panic season every time they get there. When was the last time we had a team get promoted, stay there and then win a title within three or four seasons, five seasons? Even 10 seasons. Yeah. It doesn't happen. It, it, it doesn't happen. And, you know, the other thing that you hear them say is, oh, well, if we didn't have promotion and relegation, at the end of the season, what would teams play for? And it's like we haven't had promotion and relegation ever in Australian Rugby League. And I've yet to see teams just stop playing. Or whinge. And we were yeah. in the NRL. Oh, it's bloody ridiculous it really is it but is. they won't change they will not change the game's just going to wither and die over there and you know in in 20 years time it'll be a bunch of amateur players running around and, and on their local parks you know leads leads st helen and wigan will be playing in rugby football union competitions and you know they'll still be blaming the likes of wayne bennett in australia <laughs> for not playing well you know what if it does die, 
at least you know there'll be pizza at the wake. That's very true. Pizza and garlic bread. <sighs> Tasty. Mm. What's your favorite pizza, by the way? Pepperoni. I, I'm, I'm, I like pepperoni as well, but I tell you what, I always like to have a Hawaiian with the extra uh, pineapple. My little girl likes Hawaiian pizza. Yeah. She knows she knows where it is. She knows where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, mate, that was a pretty good thrashing out of, of opinions there. Yeah. it's uh, It was needed. I think we're both excited to do this episode because a lot had happened. <laughs> yeah, free fucking pizza. Now, something we haven't done yet. Yep. We haven't talked about Manscaped. Yeah. Well... You know what? If you go to manscaped.com, right, and you put in the code NRL, you can get 20% off and free shipping on absolutely any product on their website. Anything? Absolutely anything. And they've got the uh, Lawnmower 3.0, which is a brilliant bit of kit, works brilliantly. Um, And, yeah, just go there, take a look. Father's Day is not too far away. So you might want to get something for the special man in your life. And I tell you what, when you put in that code NRL, you get 20% off and free shipping. It, it makes it makes for a real good present. It makes for a really, really nice looking present. And it's a great unboxing experience as well. Oh, yes, we've been there. Yeah. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> so head over to Manscaped and grab whatever you want. Anything you like. You can buy everything if you want. You'll get 20% off free shipping. You can't argue with that. Uh, Use the code NRL. That's our gift to you. Yeah, that's our special code for our listeners. Um, I tell you what, if you get the perfect package 3.0 and it's it's just got everything in it, like that's what I would get. If you're looking to get a, a Father's Day gift, you get one of those. But if... If you're a dude and you want to just get something for yourself, get the lawnmower 3.0. That's the one to go for. Absolutely. Now, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us at uh, Twitter and Instagram at Fergo Freak Pod. We're on YouTube. We're on uh, LinkedIn. We're on Facebook. Check us all out there. Instagram. Yeah, we're on the Insta. Um, that's at Fergo Freak Pod as well. We've got our own website, FergoOnTheFreak.com. You can go on there and check out all the episodes. Um, Freaky's done everything there. Um, I'll give you a quick list now of the amount of work that I've done on that website. Done. Um, <laughs> so check out his good work over there because he's done some brilliant work at that website. It looks fantastic. Um, you can check it. He's got it all sorted out so you can check out the history episodes on their own or the one with the guests. You know, so it, it's all fantastic. You can leave us comments on there. You'll also find that your reviews that you've given us are on there as well. So there's yeah, motivation to go and give us five-star reviews and leave some comments because I'll, I'll get up on the website too. Yeah, I've got to put up the last probably dozen reviews we've got, but that only takes a minute. So, you know, it's it's easy stuff. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's a, it's a good site. Like, if people check it out, the thing I like about it is if you're just into the history episodes, boom, they're all there. If you want to see the guests we've had, boom, they're all there. Um, so, yeah, and there's, like, the breaking news stuff and everything, we we tag that. 
So if you go and click on one of the breaking news episodes and then go to the breaking news tag, you can kind of see all the breaking news episodes we've had. And I'm trying to think of the other ones that I might have tagged. I think that's it. I think that's all of them. I was going to say, too, if you're like Liam Bretta on uh, Twitter, Mm. then you can just sit there and listen to every single episode. And he has said that... uh, I saw a tweet here from him today. He says, I'm up to episode 154, still catching up. Hope you're enjoying the emails. Probably just calling me a whinging pommy wanker. We're not. <laughs> no, no, we're not. Whinging pommy wanker. Um, he says you'll find out soon enough. Hashtag he, catching up. Yeah, so, shit. He's going to he's gonna re, uh, listen to this in about a month, I reckon. He'll be yeah. up, to, up to speed. But you know what? He's, he sent a bunch of emails we do read them all uh, because because they're from episodes that we've done six months ago. It's kind of hard to like go back and say, "Oh, we got an email about the episode we did six months ago," and this I, is what it says. What? We should we should do a podcast episode, which is entirely yeah. reading Lambretta's emails. That would be cool because it's That's... got there's a there's a few of them here. He's got a World Cup challenge idea, stadiums like. You know, he's talking about where he's from. That it's like he's saying shopping is the number one participation sport in Australia. Is in one of his emails, which I thought was very funny. So, um, yeah, we maybe need, we, we need should to do, do a Lean Beretta episode. We will, we will. So that's what we'll do for you people. That's why you need to interact with us and get in touch with us. That's why you've got to listen to every episode as well. Yeah, <laughs> you know, what we should do is a live episode soon. I've kind of, I got mm. the the need to do a a live to to our YouTube episode. Well, we're due to do one for a Panthers-Tigers game, and there is one this weekend, isn't there? Yeah, what day is that game on, though? That's a good question. I feel like it'll be a Friday game. No, nah, they don't put Tigers games on Fridays, do they? <laughs> Saturday night, 7.30. Oh, geez, that is prime time for us. That really is. That's, that's like right in our zone. That's right in the hidden zone. Yeah, maybe we should. Uh, could uh, uh, could get, it could get bad though. <laughs> I like I don't well, like for, for your drinking or for my sanity. <laughs> I think for your sanity more than anything. <laughs> like I like when I saw that we were playing the West Tigers next, I was like, ooh, and <laughs> then I was like, oh shit, boy, he doesn't he doesn't deserve this. <laughs> oh, it's the um. It's the start of the slide from ten, slide from ninth. Yeah, that's what how, it'll be. How how fun would the live episode be, right? Mm. In with the possibility that the Panthers get off to a really good start and don't stop. No, it'll be it'll be entertaining. Okay, <laughs> it'll be entertaining. It'll be fine. Okay. I'm at my best when the Tigers are getting dicked. <laughs> it's been a good 20 years Andrew I've had plenty of practice <laughs> oh shit oh man oh, well oh, we'll see we'll see if we're like because sometimes we put in these plans in place and something comes up but I, I'm keen to do it if you're keen to do it yeah we'll see how we go if not then we might end up just doing something more in our usual time zone and, and do a live episode during an English game yeah, late late Saturday night we'll watch. I wonder what English games are on Saturday night. We can maybe we'll watch some some bullshit <laughs> Castleford versus Hull KR or whatever the fuck's going on. We'll wing it and find out. Yeah, 
That seems like a plan. Yeah, I'm up for that. Sounds good. Now, one last thing I want to, I want to mention. Yes. Is uh, if if you're a fan of independent rugby league content, then you need to go to uh, patreon.com slash legfreak and give the bloke a donation over there. Uh, you need to support independent voices in, in rugby league at the moment too, especially given the mainstream media is largely crap when it comes to the rugby league game. So just give them a few bob every, every month. It's not going to cost too much. And uh, you're helping out some independent creators. And trust me, he's created an awful lot of content. It's interesting you bring that up because I was going to tell people to go to patreon.com slash project and support the continued, it's never-ending, the digitization of rugby league history, not just in Australia, talking about across the entire planet. And Andrew does all of this during his own time, and any time you can support him through his Patreon, it's just a bonus. And I know Andrew's goal is to just do this on a full-time basis, and I know that he has targets that he's set. And if he hits those targets, we all of us end up with a full-time rugby league historian and statistician and podcaster. So go to patreon.com slash project. Give me a few bucks. Couldn't have said it better myself. And on that glorious note, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll catch you all next time.